Hello everyone and welcome back to your lunch break with Kyle. Uh, so today's topic is a Mars update with the um, the Mars helicopter and the rover itself and some of the instruments that, that have been going on there. Uh, so first with the helicopter, it has flown uh, three times now. The fourth time they're hoping to do to, uh, tomorrow, April 29th. Um, so we'll see how that goes. It's been going well so far. Alright, so some fun facts about the helicopter itself. It is about 4 pounds on Earth, but it's 1.5 pounds on Mars because of the, uh, you know, the lower, the lower amount of gravity. Uh, it's about 4 feet wide. It's uh, about, you know, 1.5 feet tall. Um, it has carbon fiber wings and legs, so it makes it really lightweight. Uh, has solar panels that with the lithium ion batteries. Um, it's about a 90 second to um, 120 second flight um, per day. So that's a bit, you know, it charging throughout the day and then the night and then flying the next day kind of a thing. Um, about 135 watts for that. Um, so this thing has to, the blades have to go super duper fast because it's only 1% of air density to that of Earth. So if you think about it, um, if you think about it as, you know, the wings have to go incredibly fast to push the air down, to move enough air to get lift, right? If you were in the swimming pool and you couldn't use your arms to go forward, you wouldn't go very far. You wouldn't go very far. But since we can use our arms, you can push the water and go forward. So kind of similar to that with the uh, with the helicopter. It has to, the wings have to go so fast to push enough air to get some kind of lift. So there's that. Um, also, it is it costs eighty five million dollars to make. Now, I'm not sure if that's factoring in like the amount of time it had to go to get there, all the testing and everything. I'm assuming it's including the testing and also the engineers and scientists that worked on it. So that is a huge amount of money. So is this you know is it worth it? What are we gaining from from uh, using this thing? Is it worth eighty five million dollars? Uh, now that's a steep amount. It's a crazy amount. I'm not sure the the whole thing is is worth it. But what's kind of fun about um, flying flying a helicopter on Mars is that it's never been done before. Um, there's never been an aerial craft other than you know a satellite orbiting Mars um, on another planet. And so what comes with that are different challenges that you wouldn't see here on Earth. Like for example, the the one percent of density of Earth. Um, we can't, it's hard to simulate that here on the earth. And so there's a lot of math that went into it, um, of how it would work. And we were pretty lucky that it worked the first time. You know, our math was correct. So that's pretty incredible that, you know, that we can do that. Um, oh, by the way, all this information is on mars.nasa.gov. So M-A-R-S dot N-A-S-A dot G-O-V. You can find all the information on there. Now, it does fly by itself. There's no remote for it or anything. They just send up the algorithms and some instructions of what to do, and then it follows such. Um, and uses different sensors and lasers and whatnot um, to measure how high it goes, where it needs to go, so on and so forth. Also, it only has a 30-day test period. Now, the reason why it has, it has a 30-day test period is because that's how long they think the batteries will, will last and how well the solar panels are going to last as well. 
Um, because of the windstorms on Mars, some of the solar panels get covered in dust, and therefore it doesn't have as good of a charge. And also because it's so small and lightweight, there's only so much room to fit batteries. So the batteries are only so big, so they can only, they can only last so long. So that's why it's only a 30-day period. So they're trying to get as much in as possible. Um, I think the first the first flight was um, just a couple weeks ago, and so they've already been you know able to do three flights so far, and another one tomorrow. And each time they're doing a little bit more and more and more. Um, they're hoping to, uh, you know, they use the other rover to kind of watch it. And so anytime, if you look up, if you go to the website and you see, you know, videos and pictures of it flying, what that is, it's from the rover, you know, watching it from a distance, kind of doing its thing. So, yeah, some really fun stuff, really cool. Uh, but something I think is even more interesting is this next topic that's on the Mars rover. That is called Moxie. So this is on the rover itself, the rover Perseverance. Uh, Moxie kind of stands for uh, Mars Oxygen in C2, which means um, using resources from the planet kind of thing. Um, resource Utilization Experiment. So this converts CO2, which is 98% uh, of the atmosphere in Mars, sorry, 96% of the atmosphere is Mars CO2, and it separates it into oxygen and then carbon monoxide, which is carbon and oxygen together. And it, you know, just kind of dispels that and saves the oxygen itself. Uh, first test took place on April 20, 20th. Um, it was enough oxygen. Oh, what? So the question is, why are we doing this? Why do we need this? Well, first of all, you can't breathe on Mars. There's too much carbon dioxide not enough um, oxygen to breathe. As we as humans, as we all know, we breathe oxygen. Um, so it's for breathing. It's also for rocket fuel, it, not the fuel itself, but there's a mixture between fuel and oxygen um, to, uh, you know, to you know, create a good um, burn. And then also um, to possibly create water. You know, if you can extract oxygen, and then add in hydrogen, you know, two hydrogen to make H2O, then you got water, which is pretty great. Um, to make enough oxygen to, let's say, astronauts make it to Mars and they want to make a return trip, but they don't have enough, they have enough fuel, but they need oxygen to go with the fuel. Um, they would need 25 metric tons of oxygen to come back from a rocket. So that's another thing that that's testing. How much can it make, and can we save it to use it for you know for to use it with the rocket fuel? So there's that. Um, if astronauts wanted to live on Mars for three people, you would only need one metric ton for an entire year of breathable air. So a lot less. So could someone theoretically go there? We have these these, these Moxie machines that can make breathable air. We can live there for you know a long time and then have some other moxie machines make enough fuel I mean oxygen for the to go with the rocket fuel yeah th theoretically theoretically you could do that but you know 25 metric tons for rocket fuel compared to one metric ton of, of a year of breathable air that's a, that's a huge difference you'd be there for 25 years before you can you know have enough um, oxygen to uh, to you know go back um, 
so how the machine works that it heats um, it takes in the atmosphere you know which again is 96% CO2 and it heats it up and it puts it through these different kind of filters and that's how it separates from from oxygen to carbon monoxide uh, the first test produced five grams of oxygen which equals to about 10 minutes of breathing um, breathable air um, it's designed to produce 10 grams per hour so the first test was just kind of like a, a slow test to see if it would work and stuff like that um, which went great and then but it's designed to do 10 grams per hour uh, and part of the plans is to test it in three different phases um, one it was just they already did that which is just starting out testing it see if it works two and is to try in varying conditions of the seasons and then compared to days and nights um, with the frigid temperatures at night that could uh, affect the the temperature gauge um, of the moxie machine itself um, of how fast it could produce oxygen compared to during the day and of course the different seasons of well that could also affect how it how well it does so maybe during the summer during the day when, the, when it's a lot when it's you know warmer out out there it could be a lot easier to make oxygen compared to the winter time and at night so that's those are things they're going to test and the uh, third phase is that they're just going to push the boundaries they're going to um, take it as far as they can um, see if it could do even more um, and they're planning to do this throughout a, a f one full year so throughout the year they're going to be testing this, this machine and seeing if it um you know how well it does you know so that's that's pretty that's pretty ex exciting stuff you could again theoretically make these moxie machines because right now i think it's, it's the size of a toaster right now you can make it into like an ac unit right get it up there somehow install it next to a big tent thingy and live there you know permanently and it can always make an oxygen for you which is pretty great of course there's other problems with water which again this could help with that you'd have to bring hydrogen with you but with food, but again, oxygen can help out with plants and whatnot, you know, but there's a soil problem. So it just opens up the possibility for many great things. Um, but again, this is a cool thing that because they wanted to go to Mars, but they had this problem of not being able to breathe in the air, they had to come up with a solution that could, you know, take CO2 from the air and make sure and see if they could split it into oxygen and then carbon monoxide. They've been able to do it here on Earth, but they had to do it in a way that it could traverse through space, you know, through the you know, zero degree you know, of space, you know, zero degrees Kelvin um, of space. I think, I think it's negative 273 in Fahrenheit. Um, land, right, be the size of a toaster, not be used for a while, and then start up and get going. So this could be great for, you know, sanitization uses, if there's areas, let's say in mining, that's you know toxic, they could bring this machine in, pump out the bad stuff, you know, bring in the good stuff, kind of thing. There's there's many different uses uses for uh, this kind of machinery, and that's what's fun about to me. That's what's fun about space, is because it presents problems that don't exist here on Earth because they're not here on Earth, and so it literally makes you think outside the box to create these solutions, which then could be applied here. Um, on Earth for for different scenarios, so the possibilities are endless, which is pretty fun. Um, in other new, in other space news, uh, China just sent up um, what they are beginning of their own space station, 
which the space station, space station, what we have now is a joint one. It's an international space station. It's not just the U.S. China's making their own, which is, I don't know what your thoughts on China is, but it could be kind of um, disconcerting that they're doing it all by themselves and not sharing the kind of scientific wealth, so to speak. So there's that. Um, so, yeah, just things to, things to think about. So what could you take away or what could you talk about at work with your family, friends, coworkers, and whatnot? Um, well, one, we created a UFO on Mars, which is the Mars helicopter. Now, we can identify it, but if someone else saw it, they would, they would think it's an unidentified flying object, right? Which is pretty crazy. It's pretty cool to think about. And the other one is that we can create oxygen on a different planet, which is, again, incredible. And then you can discuss whether $85 million for a helicopter that is less, you know, shorter than two feet, four feet wide, weighs only four pounds, if that's even worth it. You know, should that money be going somewhere else? Um, on one hand, you have the you know ingenuity, the creativeness, and the exploration of going to Mars and doing this kind of stuff. On the other hand, we have real problems of of poverty, um, and of um, you know a different um, some different problems around the country that could probably use the money, right? So there's that. So, I don't know. It's up to you to decide. I'm, my take on it is, I mean, for me, it's fun and exciting to see these things happen on a different planet. To me, it's, you know, it's the adventure that's out there that's pretty fun. Um, I think I just watched Up. And so, when I said adventure is out there, I definitely was quoting Up at that time. <laughs> so, I mean, if someone said, hey, I got a, a, you know, a you know two-way ticket to Mars. Do you want to go? I'm 100% going without a doubt. Um, I think it'd be so much fun. The, the the thought of going somewhere totally brand new, never before searched, different environment, just sounds so exciting, sounds so much fun. And then to come back and to tell stories and want to do some scientific research from there, and um, it just sounds like a blast. So... Uh, that's all I have for today. It's a pretty short one. I have a, um, a list of guests I want to have on the uh, up next couple um, episodes, um, talking about um, you know depression, talking about race and relationships, um, and just stuff like that, and which I think would be beneficial for everyone to hear. Um, I know. I hope people who are listening to these. Um, gain a sense of community when you're listening to this that you have a sense of you know uh, and a desire to seek knowledge um that when i when i talk about these things that you you don't just take my word for it and then you go about your day take my word for it and the fact that you know i've done my research but then go and do your research as well and form your own opinion and then share it with others and in a calm and kind manner and hopefully you know, as a as a you know as a community, we can kind of come together. It's not fun to see division, and see it's not fun to see division, also from people wanting wanting division. Um, so, you know, take it as you will. Thanks for listening. Um, I'll talk to you guys next time. Uh, follow me on Twitter at kbrentmarshall, um, and hit me up with any questions or ideas you want to talk. You want you want me to talk about next. Thanks.